welcome to Savvy, Booked, and Blessed, a podcast for bold female leaders making bold moves. I'm your host, Devin A. Thaxton, founder and CEO of Pro Savvy Strategic Performance Agency. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to Savvy, Booked, and Blessed, a podcast for bold females making bold moves. I'm your host, Devin A. Thaxton, founder and CEO of Pro Savvy Strategic Performance Agency. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Today, we are here with founder of the Virtual Savvy, Abby Ashley. Abby helps aspiring virtual assistants launch and grow their own at-home business from scratch. After starting her own virtual assistant business in 2015, Abby was able to double the salary from her full-time corporate job and has since gone on to grow a multi-seven-figure business. She used her passion and skills as a VA to create the virtual savvy and help other VAs start their own business. It is her goal to help others start their own VA business so they can taste the freedom and flexibility of entrepreneurship. Hi, Abby, and welcome. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. So excited to, to chat with you. I was just telling you a little bit before when I was making the transition from corporate to starting my own gig and figuring out where and what that looks like, you were definitely one of the first people I Googled, like how to start a business, like as a VA, and you were definitely one of the first people that popped up. And so I'm so excited to have you um, on the show. So tell us a little bit about the journey from 2015 to now. Yeah. And my goodness, has it been a journey for sure. So yeah, so I started my business. So like a lot of other people, I was kind of looking for work from home opportunities. I was actually a stay at home mom pregnant with my second kid. And if I'm being honest, I was kind of bored. Um, I, you know, we weren't doing so hot financially, just enough to allow me to still be home living in Northern Virginia, basement apartment, one window, you know, the drill. My husband was driving two hours to and from work each day. And so I had a lot of time at home and, you know, I knew that it was important to me to uh, find some kind of work that could be flexible. And that's something that I wanted for my life, uh, for my kids. And so I, you know, had a friend suggest looking into being a virtual assistant. I had actually tried a couple other businesses before. This was not my first runaround, but there's something about this that really appealed to me in the fact that, hey, I can use the skills I already have. I can do this on my own time. And I didn't have to sell to my friends and family. That was another really big thing for me. And so, you know, I started calling myself a VA. I went to a few local networking events, just really focused on the small amount of services that I could offer. They were not very vast as I didn't have a whole lot of experience in the digital world, but, you know, the, through kind of relationship building and eventually referrals was able to build almost this little mini agency from my basement apartment. I actually got other moms in and saying, Hey, I knew that you could do good graphics in high school. Do you want to create these Pinterest images for me? Hey, I knew that, you know, you were in charge of this, of the audio files for your band in college. Like, do you want to help me with this podcast editing? I mean, it was just kind of that bringing my friends on with me. And so I also built an email list during that time. And so a few years in, I kind of asked my email list, hey, if there was something that you wanted to learn from me, what would it be? And they said, we'd love to learn 
how to become a virtual assistant. So I created a course in 2016, kind of pre-sold the course to see how much interest there would be. And I had 16 people buy it and kind of the rest is history. I decided that, you know, I would throw my passion into helping other people discover this whole online space. And I, I really do love that moment when people realize, Hey, I can do something I love from home on my own schedule. So, you know, the, the business has grown quite a bit since then we are, you know, we are just hiring employee number 21 and 22. And it's just been this insane ride that I'm just so, so grateful for. Yeah, definitely. You know, over the last few years, I feel like the the title of VA has shifted or there've been lots of layers and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So how would you define <clears throat> what a VA does kind of in the, in the digital yeah. space? Yeah. So what I normally say is that a virtual assistant, I do think it's an umbrella term, just like yeah. freelancer has yeah. become, you know, such an umbrella term. So underneath that umbrella is really any kind of remote assistant that can help you with administrative, technical, or marketing tasks. So let's say you're a small business owner, that could be brick brick and mortar or online business uh, because both hire virtual assistants to help with their business. So if you have a virtual or brick and mortar business and you have tasks that you would normally hire an admin for, right? They could be technical, they could be marketing tasks, they could be just administrative customer service emails, data entry, right? Yeah. Rather than hiring a full-time employee, you can hire a contractor, a virtual assistant to come in and manage those tasks for you. And so it's really such a benefit to the business owner because they're not paying for, you know, social security and employment taxes and mm-hmm. paying for, you know, the office space and the equipment. It's really just, hey, some small business owners just need 10, 15, 20 hours a month and they can say, all right, I will, you know, pay a virtual assistant this amount per month for those hours. And then the VA can work those hours flexibly. They could have multiple clients. So it really can turn into a full-time income or a part-time income if that's what the VA wants uh, for them. So I I really see it as such a win-win and such a really great place for people to start in the online world as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for, for the businesses being able to, I think sometimes they don't realize, you know, how much they really are saving and gaining at the same time by, by hiring a virtual assistant, instead of having someone in office or, you know, kind of what, what that looks like and the, the flexibility for the VA to learn new things and learn new skills and kind of boost up their, you know, their um, service offerings and, And those things. So, you know, if someone was listening and they were like, I think I want to transition into this, what are some, what are some things that maybe they don't initially think about that would be something that they should think about from the beginning? And so by that, I mean, one thing that took me a long time to figure out was like my pricing structure yeah. <laughs> and like having to adjust that and, you know, wishing that I had maybe started off at a different price from the beginning. So like, what are some things that, you know, are maybe not always clear when someone is wanting to start off in this space? Yeah. So, you know, we, we break our program even down to three phases, launch, grow, scale. Yeah. And really in the beginning, you're focusing on that launch. What is it that I'm presenting to the world? And yeah. so grow is all about marketing, but launch, that launch phase of your business is really deciding on some of the big elements 
of what it is that you sell, right? What you're, so what services am I going to offer? What price am I going to offer them at? We recommend most people start off at an hourly rate. Mm -hmm. Something that we also do is I never tell people you have to start at this rate. You know, we have VAs that start their services at $15 an hour. We have people that start their services at $40 an hour, right? For mm -hmm. general admin. I mean, for the yeah. exact services, it really a lot, I think depends on your comfort level. And then, but one of the things that we highly encourage our VAs to do is to raise your rate, even if it's a small amount. So if you're working hourly, raise your rate by $2.50 with each new client, because as your experience grows and as your expertise grows, your income should grow as well. And so, and there's obviously kind of a capping out point. And I think sometimes we'll know when we're there, but if you're going to get your first client at $25 an hour, try to get your second at 27.50, try to get your third at $30 an hour, you know, until you've reached a point where you're like, okay, I feel good here. Or now I feel like I need to learn some more advanced skills to kind of justify these prices. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's something that we encourage kind of from the beginning is just those small incremental pricing raises. Yeah. yeah I like the idea of you know, adjusting those with each client instead of like quarterly or mid-year or at the end of the year and then sending a notice like, okay, everyone, we're adjusting our, our prices or whatever that is. Yeah. And so that's, and that's something to be said too, is that we, you know, that doesn't mean that like, if someone signed on with you two weeks ago, that you're immediately like, I'm raising my rates. It's like, well, yeah. no, I would say wait at least six months. Six months is kind of, I think the sweet spot. It could be mm. as few as four if you're really rapidly growing, yeah. but you know, four to six months to say, Hey, with existing clients, I'm raising my rates to whatever my new rate is, you know? Right. So that's usually my recommendation. Yeah, definitely. So being a, you know, service provider and then kind of switching to educator, how would that transition for you? Yeah. So that was, it was so funny because I did not start out into, I mean, I literally just started like, I need to make some cash working from home, right? Like yeah. that's never my dream or intention. And it's just so cool how that, you know, reveals itself over time. So I, you know, I, I started off as a virtual assistant. Well, the more I dove into this online world that I was just like, oh, I didn't realize all this existed. Like, I don't think I even knew what a course creator was yeah. when I first started, but there's people that I started following. Right. And so, and I think we all have those people. We have yeah. the podcasts we listen to, we have the blogs, we have the emails that we get that we open every one of their emails. Cause it's just great information. So right. I had this one, you know, kind of blogger that I was really, really into all of his stuff. I was just like, oh, this is just good meaty content. And I was learning so much about the online world, about digital marketing from following his content. And so I got this idea that I wanted to work for him. And so, you know, about a year into my business, I decided, I think I'd bought one of his courses too. Um, it was actually a course on how to grow an email list. So I had been like kind of growing an email list and I decided I was going to work for him, which is really funny because he actually taught a strategy on how to like land high-end clients. And so I turned around and used the strategy that he taught on him <laughs> and it worked like a charm. And so I did this super high value. It took me like two weeks to craft this, this project that I created for him. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. He's like, let's jump on a call. He ended up hiring me like on the spot. I was a contractor. I was charging the most I'd ever, I think I was doing like 65, $70 an hour at that point, which yeah. And I was just a year into my business. So like, that was 
huge for me, but I was like, I'm going to go big, like, here we go. And so I actually ended up writing for him. Writing was kind of the high-end skill that I eventually developed. Uh, I wrote for him for about two years and it was crazy because I actually got to see behind the scenes of a course creator business. And, you know, he'd do these course launches where in a week's time, he'd make six figures, multiple six figures in, in like a a week. And I'm like, what is this? This is crazy. And not only that, like he was just serving his students so well. And I just got this, like, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to create an online course. This is amazing. Right. And just like the way it wasn't just like, Oh, how much money he was able to make. It was also just like so much impact. Like he had employees and he was just doing really cool things in the world. And so, yeah. So all that to say, like it really, there was an overlap for me. It wasn't just overnight. I said, Hey, I'm now a course creator. I, I worked as a VA and I had that help fund the course creation process, because I mean, to be honest, being a course creator is it's kind of a long game. I mean, to be a successful course creator, you have to have people to buy your course, right? Mm -hmm. Services. That's why I tell people start with services. It's one-to-one, like most virtual assistants or freelancers can sell out their services, make a really great income, full-time income, four to seven clients. So you need four people to say yes, you know, make a great income as a virtual assistant. Well, to sell online courses, you need you know, tens, hundreds, maybe thousands of people to say yes. Right. And so how does that happen? It happens through growing an audience, growing either a huge social following or a big email list or whatever. And so I used my services as a way to keep working, to build relationships, to, you know, fund the fact that I was spending some other time yeah. building an email list that at the time was making me no money yet. Sure. <laughs> sure. I like also hearing that it, it wasn't a overnight, (laughs) you know, kind of success story, which we love to hear those. They give us hope, you know, but also the, the realistic overlap that happens and how long course creation takes and building that email list. And it's not, I would say a majority of the time isn't as, you know, snap a finger and it's there, you know, a lot less glamorous. (laughs) And I, now in retrospect, there are times that I'm like, oh my gosh, that happened so fast. Yeah. But I mean, it took me a year to get my first thousand email subscribers, a yeah. year of just pounding down the doors, trying to get anyone and everyone to join my list. Right. So yeah. zero to a thousand was hard. It took me another two years to get to 10,000 email subscribers and it was hard. But once I hit 10,000, it actually got a lot easier Yeah. at that point. Cause I had systems, I had content, I had a I had a growing Facebook group or whatever, you know, traffic source you have at that point it's growing. And so it's not as difficult, but it's grueling in the beginning. And it took years to get to the point that we're like, oh, we're a multi seven figure business with all these employees and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It took a long time to get there. And it's just consistency Mm. and not get, it's all the unfancy words, you know, like (laughs) we just had a good strategy and we just kept showing up. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> mm. The showing up, I think sometimes that's the that's the hardest. Or and maybe just speaking for myself, I have tons of content, all the things and stuff. But to show up and put it down sometimes can be exhausting. To put yourself in a space to show up, show up on video, you know, teach the teach the lives and the freebies and the webinars and the challenges and the you know all of those things can get exhausting. Can get exhausted. 
I think for me, and this is, this is my advice. And I literally still like, I'm starting another business now, six years in, and I'm like, mm-hmm. finally ready to start business number two. So, yeah. and for me, it has been a lot of just like, let me just do a few things really, really well, mm-hmm. because I think it can be really overwhelming if you're trying to start a Facebook gram and post a reel a day and have a podcast and have a YouTube channel and do a blog and do, you know, and like, mm-hmm. I think so many of us feel like I've just got to be everywhere when in reality, if you can take that energy, there's a book called essentialism that is brilliant. And if you can take this energy that you're putting in tons of different places and really just narrow it down to like, man, what if I just showed up really well on one platform? Yeah. What if I directed people to one freebie Yeah, and that was just it. And I just did that really consistently for a year. Like what would happen, you know, and that is not flashy and it is not fancy. And the reality is it's, it can be, it can get a little boring at times if I'm being honest, because I mean, we're entrepreneurs, we have new ideas, we have new things, but like, man, if you can like kind of embrace that boring part of it, it'll help you from getting burned out. Yeah, and yeah. it gets systematized so it gets easier and it really is effective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of, of burnout, I mean, you've definitely had a major journey over the last six years. And, and so what are some of the ways that you've kind of been kind to yourself <laughs> <laughs> over the last couple of years and kind of kept your head on as yeah. much as possible? <laughs> That's a good question. So, I mean, I'll be honest, I have not gotten it right a hundred percent of the time. Like yeah. that's my very first, uh, panic attack I ever had. I didn't know I was a person that got panic attacks until mm. I became a course creator. Uh-huh. It was my very first launch. And it obvious, it wasn't even that things were going bad. Things were going really well, way better than I expected. Mm. And I, started thinking I was having a heart attack. I literally went to urgent care and they're like, no, this is a panic attack and walked me through it. But you know, and that, that has decreased over time. I haven't had one in like two years, which I'm very, very proud to say, (laughs) but like, so I think in the beginning, I honestly didn't do it great. I think that I, I expected a lot out of myself and I worked too hard. And I think I would have achieved just as much if I hadn't worked and, and if I hadn't burnt the candle on both ends as much as I did, you know? Yeah. Uh, so over time, I think what has switched is embracing that it's okay to do a little less at times. <laughs> I'm definitely an achiever. So it's hard for me not to do that all the time. But, and, and I think the biggest thing is, is hiring, honestly, like yeah. I, I tried as soon as I could to place other people in seats that exhausted me. Like if I'm not gifted and I don't enjoy this part of business, then like, let me see how I can get out of that part as fast as I can. Yeah, absolutely. How did you, I mean, I can uh, preach that all day. I knew that pretty quickly on, and I say this all the time and it's not always true of like, I just don't want to work that hard. I want to work (laughs) smart and I want to provide really beautiful services and have really great connections like with my clients, but I ain't trying to work that hard. And sometimes I I feel like I'm like, wait, didn't you say you didn't want to work that hard? It's like, three in the morning and you're yeah still working on a course or whatever it is. But yeah, knowing pretty early on that, like, I don't want to work that hard. Also, I'm, I'm really good at a lot of things, but I don't have to be good at everything and how freeing some of that is. I think, especially as women, when we think or are told um, that we should be doing 
all of the things, mm-hmm. you know? And so being able to kind of release that, how did you kind of make that transition? And I guess maybe hold yourself accountable to, to allow other people to do the jobs that you're hiring them to do. Yeah. So I think it's one at a time, right? So one of the best hires that I made was hiring my kind of like other half in business. So there's a book called Rocket Fuel and it talks about the visionary and the integrator. When I read that book, or let's be honest, when I read like most of that book, I'm not very good at finishing books, excuse me. When I read that book, it was so clear to me that I was a visionary, that uh, all the tasks that described the integrator, I was like, those are all the things I hate to do. (laughs) And so for me, I found an integrator and literally she was the first employee of my business. I had Mm. only hired contractors. Yeah, Uh, I hired her first as a contractor. And then eventually she's like, you need to hire me as an employee. And I said, great, if you can figure out how to hire yourself as an employee, do it. And so (laughs) she did. And then she went on to hire more employees and it was wonderful. And, you know, so, you know, I would recommend if you are more of a visionary, which a lot of entrepreneurs are, I know some people wear both hats really, really well. And sometimes all you need is, you know, the support system. But uh, for me, I was all visionary and no integrator. And so I, I needed that other person. And so most successful businesses, you kind of have like that face of the company, but then you realize there's actually like another person behind the scenes really running the show. Yeah. That's been so true. I mean, Mm -hmm. I can attribute so much of our success to bringing Melissa on way back in the early days. So, you know, I think that that's number one, realizing your own strengths and weaknesses. We're huge. I'm huge into personality tests and strength finders and my Enneagram number. I'm all, I'm into all that stuff. And so really starting to embrace like, here's who I am, which means I'm good at these things. And it means I'm not good at these things. And that's really okay. And I'm going to operate best and I'm going to be happiest. Mm-hmm. If I'm not trying to force myself into a box that I was never meant to be in. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So I think that that's helped along the way to kind of narrow, we call them swim lanes. Like mm-hmm. in the beginning, every swim lane is you, you are the CEO, you are the marketing director, you are the janitor, yeah. right? You are right. Every- there's not an option most of the right. right? And so it's slowly kind of being like, okay, here's all the things. Let me try to reduce. Let me try not to be in 20 million places at once, number one. But then those roles, how can I slowly, which which ones do I not want to be doing Yeah. months from now, a year from now, right? Like I've been creating org charts for my business before I even had employees. I'm like, all yes. right, my next hire is going to be this. The one after that's going to be this. And the one yeah. after that's going to be this. And always kind of like thinking ahead of here's the next things so that I can get closer and closer to CEO. Yeah. And separate. Yeah. The, um, going back to kind of the visionary and, and integrator, you know, another, we talk about these umbrella terms, right. But another word, uh, for integrator is, is OBM. And it took me a long time to, to learn that that is me. I am an integrator through and through or OBM through. I love operations. Give me sticky notes and graphs and charts and goals and all of that stuff. I'm like, yes. So I can support the visionary, like do their thing to show up and, and show out in that space. And when you do really learn where you fit, it also uh, like relieves some pressure as well. Like I, I can do podcasts, I can show up and I can speak and talk, but like 
do I love, love doing that? You know, but I would rather help someone else like thrive in the spotlight while I'm keeping everything, you know. And I think if you're a, my opinion, from what I've seen, the people that are, have started their own businesses that are more naturally the integrators, they're going to do best in two ways. Number one, businesses that I think that serve and can be that for other people. So I know, I mean, that's like what you do, right? And like you are helping other people with those, with your skills. And I think that that's huge. But then the other part is, you know, maybe you don't hire a visionary, maybe you don't hire a CEO necessarily, but normally what I have found is that integrators that start businesses aren't very good at putting themselves out there. And the marketing part is where they're just kind of like, Oh, like you said, like going on other people's podcasts and And so like bringing in kind of, maybe it's not somebody that's like a partner with you, but maybe you, your first hire is more of like a, a marketing somebody to help organize, like how, how is this business going to show up in the world? Yeah, Um, Because that may be not, may not be as natural. It is for some. And again, really big generalizations, but like I needed the systems person. I was like, let me just get out there and all the things. (laughs) It's like, or we could have systems and processes. It's like, yes, that's what I needed. And some people need the push the other way. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, the, the, the push that I'm finding and finding my own, you know, my own partner in crime is (laughs) that I can get too stuck on the process. And Mm -hmm. I have, you know, multiple beautiful courses already done in writing. I'm like, but wait, 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 okay. So let's think about, you know, the whole plan and here's our goals and here's our, you know, whatever. And so having them come into a space of like, yeah, all of that's great, but you know, people got to hear about it. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. like, yes, we want it to flow smoothly and we want the customer to be taken care of, but people need to hear about it. So what are like, what are we doing with that? And then staying on me because I, I can get, you know, tunnel vision of helping others achieve all these things to where, you know, the business in that area that we want to grow just like doesn't happen. Cause I'm like, but look at all of our happy clients. Like I love doing all of those things. Right. But yeah, keeping, keeping me accountable to also, you know, hit those other things that I would mm-hmm. like to do, which can be hard. Yeah. Okay. So thank you so much for joining the last um, little bit that I like to get into is kind of like the speed round of fun questions just so people can learn a little bit more about you. So these are, you know, just pretty quick and easy, no special answer, but we definitely want to learn just a little bit more about you. So are you ready? I'm so ready. Okay, perfect. So tell us one routine that you keep consistent through the week that helps to serve you like mind, body. So funny enough, the past year and a half, I've gotten, I have gotten so religious on my skincare routine. It's like ridiculous. So I naturally have terrible skin. I had like that, oh, that poor girl skin in high school. Like it was really, really bad. And for the past year and a half, I've like really dove into like, even like some internal things on skincare and I like geeked out over it. And I do, I wash my face and I moisturize. I I do that for me, no matter how tired I am. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Okay. So Abby, I just won the lottery and I have $10,000 and a plane ticket. I give it to you. So where are you going and how are you using that money? Oh, we have wanted to visit Greece. That is like huge on our bucket list. Oh, but also Israel. So 
you know, my husband, my husband and I have, that was actually one of our like bucket list items yeah. that we were going to do in our first year of marriage. And then we got pregnant. <laughs> and so we've traveled tons of places, but we, we've never been to Israel. So that is still really high on the list and then Greece. So I'd have to maybe flip a coin and, and decide which one of those, but those are my top two bucket list items that I have not done yet. I love that. Okay. Last question. If you were to have 10 hours back in your week for you, how would you use those hours? So a combination, I maybe had split them up. So gosh, it's so hard. Okay. So I've gotten into weightlifting this year. So I'd lift probably one more day a week than I do now. And then I would, sorry. And then number two is I would like, number two would be like just carved out, dedicated, like friend fun time. I'm like, that's like one of my goals this year is to feel like I do really good, like spending time with my husband, spending time with my kids, spending time on business, but like the friendship, well, I mean, it's been hard the past two years, right? Yeah, of course, like, of course. Yeah. Yes. But like the real life sitting down, like I'm good at the virtual friendships, but like, I need to sit down with a real life person at a coffee shop. Yes. Carve that out in my week. So yeah, I love that. Well, perfect. Thank you, Abby, so much for being on the show. If anyone is listening and they're like, yes, everything Abby said, I want to know more. Where can they find you? For sure. Well, so if you're interested in virtual assistance, the virtual savvy is the place to be. We have checklists, we have templates, we have courses, we have a YouTube channel, all of the things, just go to thevirtualsavvy.com. You will find everything there. Uh, Likewise, if you're kind of at this place where you know that you're ready to hire and Mm -hmm. you need the freelancers, you need the OBM, you need the support system, we are launching a brand new marketplace called Hello Savvy. And it's going to be a place to hire vetted mission-minded freelancers. And we're so excited for it. It's launching April, 2022. And so uh, you can go to hellosavvy.com to get on the wait list. Awesome. That's so exciting. I can't wait to see that. Perfect. And thank you everyone for listening to Savvy Booked and Blessed. If you are a successful six to seven figure female entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit podcast.prosavvyas.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you. to Savvy Booked and Blessed. If you are a successful six to seven figure female entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit podcast.prosavvyas.com dash podcast slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot on your phone and text it to your friend or post it on the socials. If you know of someone that would be a great guest, go ahead and tag them in social media and let them know about the show and include hashtag Savvy, Book, and Blessed. I love seeing your posts and I love your guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss out on any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Give your thumbs up ratings and reviews. We definitely go a long way to help promote the show. It means a lot to me and my team. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.